Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Video Store Nightmares, the podcast where we discuss the strange, the bizarre, and the slime-covered films of the VHS era. Tonight, we are talking about um, sort of a melt movie, 1988's Slime City. My name is Luke, and I'm joined by Leland. Listeners, you can find 1988's Slime City on Tubi and... Strangely enough, also YouTube, where someone just played the Tubi version on their television and recorded it and then uploaded it as an all. Yeah, that sounds awful. I have it. I have the DVD from Shakorama, and it's cool. It it includes three other of the director Graham uh, Greg Lamberson's films. Naked Fear, Undying Love, and Johnny Gruesome. So you can kind of see more of his work. It's a cool DVD set. I recommend it. But this was your first time watching Slime City, right? Yeah, I had never heard of this or Lamberson before before we you decided to pick this film. What kind of movie? How would you describe this? Uh B. Very B. Yeah, it's very low budget. Um Shot on, I think, shot on 16 millimeter and um, with amateur actors who weren't in much else. Although the lead character, who's played by Craig Sabin or Sabine, um, Craig is in several is in several of the other movies on the DVD box set. So I suspect that him and Lamberson had a uh, ongoing working relationship. No one else makes a reoccurring appearance. As far as you know. As far as I know. As far as I remember. Yeah. Yeah, this is just one of those movies where it feels like a bunch of friends got together and made a horror film. This movie was so... Like, they struggled so much for casting that they had to have one actress play two characters. Did you notice that, that the two main women were played by the same actress? No. (laughs) Yeah. What? Alex's girlfriend... Is the, played by the same actress as the woman who lives next door to him. As the prostitute? Yeah. No, I I got bamboozled. Yeah, and they didn't do it for any artistic reason. It wasn't like an ambitious casting choice. They literally couldn't hire another actress. Like, because they couldn't find anyone to fit the part or because they just didn't have the funds? I'm not sure. There, there's a making of feature on the DVD, and the direct the director doesn't articulate really what the reason was. He just said they they couldn't find or they couldn't hire another actress. I guess it's cheaper to have one person play two roles rather than get two separate people. I think I read somewhere that she was excited to do it, that she thought it was really cool. That that actress that actress's name is Mary Hooner or Hunter. Man, we don't know how to pronounce any of these ones. I have no idea. I, I mean I do the best I can. <laughs> so let's summarize this movie real briefly. Um, this is what I would call one of those like gritty New York films from the eighties. I, I mean it fits in well with things like Basket Case that also show you like the seedier side of New York. Um, This guy moves into an apartment. He has a girlfriend who won't sleep with him. He has a sexy prostitute neighbor. And everyone in his building consumes this green slime that 
apparently turns him homicidal and very, very wet. What do you think of the story? This is all right. Normally, a film of this quality doesn't have a very intricate setup. I was surprised by how many, uh, how detailed it was. Yeah, I mean, this is all premised on the idea that Alex would consume the, quote, Himalayan yogurt, which is how it's described to him. Um, and I would never eat that shit. So it's hard for oh, me to imagine. Wait, 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 wait. Here, just so we get this completely clear. So you're telling me that if you left your apartment one day and you found your neighbor rummaging through the trash cans outside and they invited you over for dinner, that you would say no? I think I would make some kind of excuse. Yeah, I think almost everybody would. The, the movie, I think, kind of struggles to let you know that the main character is in fact a starving artist. That is the only way I would imagine you'd be desperate enough to try to like entertain getting dinner at somebody else's place, especially when you just saw them rooting through the trash. I mean, he seemingly works part-time at a video store, which is cool, by the way. I love seeing video stores in movies. But other than that, I don't think he has much income, and he somehow affords a, a decent apartment in New York. I'm not sure if that's a like you know a film fantasy or if that's just how the economy be back then. I think it's a little of both. But no, I... Uh... I think I would make some kind of excuse and I think I would avoid eating the Himalayan yogurt. This this main guy was really throwing me off. You mean Alex, his, the main yeah, character? Yeah, his uh, his behavior doesn't seem very consistent. Like on one hand, he's like really rude most of the time. Seems like very, very self-driven. And then you have other times where he bothers to entertain his neighbor, for example out of what seems like politeness i don't he he's he doesn't strike me as like intentionally rude he strikes me as like just kind of a socially awkward person but i think he's trying to be friendly and then we get to the point where he may or may not be himself at any point in the film right and it makes it really hard to distinguish what is his character and what is the thing trying to take him over because, because they're not they're not acted differently at all they're not acted differently at all and and perhaps that's how it would actually be if you were getting possessed right like your voice isn't just going to change if just like the the consciousness of your mind is getting like rewritten right you still have your own physical body your own vocal cords and all that but like the mannerisms are the same and the tone of voice is the same yeah, you've got to have some way to communicate it on film that you're being possessed at the moment, even if it's not realistic. Like, there's a point where a murder is being investigated of of a sex worker, and the police approach this guy, and he's just like, why do you care? He's She's just some whore. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot about that line. And, that I is... don't, and I don't know if that's him. Or if that's the thing coming out in him. Because this is also the same character 
before his transformation, if I remember right, where he sleeps with a prostitute just because his girlfriend won't. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. This, this is one of those films where, you know, this is my first time watch. So I'm like halfway through it thinking, there's no way this character can redeem themselves, right? Like, is this going to be one of those films where a character redeems themselves and it and they can because the 80s and social norms were different? Or is this guy just going to get totally fucking greased at the end of the film? That was really the 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 struggle that I was that I, that I had watching this. Yeah, it's it's weird because Craig Sabin, uh, both in first of all, I don't think he's a very good actor. Um, it, it, he performs pretty much the same way in all of the movies I've seen him in. Um, same tone of voice, same mannerisms, uh, etc. But I still find him likable. Like. I, I'm on his side. I want him to succeed. You didn't feel that way? No, no. I The only person I cared about was the girlfriend. The girlfriend is the best person in the movie, unquestionably. Like, she's really the only one I did not want to see horrible stuff happen to. Okay. No, I, I, find, I find the main character likable for some reason, even though he's not a very good person and he's probably possessed by someone even worse. <laughs> Debatably. We don't even know. Not really. There's supposedly like occult stuff and like witchcraft or something happening in this movie, but we never actually see any of that. It's all off screen. Which I think is fine. I don't think we needed to see like the tenants in a magic circle, like praying to Satan or anything. No, but I think that would have been cool. Mm, how, okay, how about a really well-lit basement with a shelf full of, like, Technicolor goop on it? Is that all right? It helps. Yeah, okay. All right, Um. you want to play the trailer, and then we can talk about the story? Well, what do you think? Well, it couldn't be any worse than the last one. Welcome to Slime City, home to the derelicts of society. I need some money. And land of murdering, melting monsters. With an appetite for whores, bums, and junkies. When Alex moves into an apartment haunted by the occult, he is seduced by spirits and slowly becomes a hideous, slime-spattered demon. Alex, you're hurting me. No, I'm killing you. With a stomach for evil. Fed up with this urban cesspool, Alex's girlfriend demands he pick himself up and escape the bloodthirsty supernatural forces around him. But the only way out of Slime City is for the innocent to confront the putrid powers of darkness. The 80s grindhouse classic by the doctor of gore, Gregory Lamberson, is back and digitally remastered in all its repugnant glory. Take a trip to Slime City for the most gruesome and disgusting climax you'll ever see. That that might have been oversold a little bit. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, that's definitely overselling it. But this was released by Camp Video, and and that's kind of their thing. And I think everyone knows it's tongue-in-cheek. I actually don't think this movie is as goofy as they try to sell it as. Like, I'm not sure if this was intended to be funny or if it's meant entirely serious. I, I think it's mostly serious. I think it is mostly serious, but... Um... You know, like, I don't get full moon vibes from this. I don't get... I don't get trauma vibes from this. Yeah, me neither. That... I, you know, now that you mention it for, like, the subject matter of this film, it is kind of amazing they did not go that pseudo-comedic route. I appreciate that they didn't, because... 80s comedy is not going to age well. I mean, this is the this movie is often not compared to, but lumped together with movies like Street Trash that are affectionately called Mount movies, and it it's different from the other movies in that genre. Um, in that, I think it is more serious, and I think we are supposed to genuinely care about or sympathize with the main characters. I I think there are some art there are inarguably some problems with our main character, but I think at the end of the day we're supposed to like him and um and take his plight seriously. The movie's not ironic. It's it's harder to show sympathy for the main character when he purposely has so many bad ethical decisions that puts him in that position in the first place. Yeah, so let's let's talk about his relationship with his girlfriend, um, whose name is Lori. Lori is not moving in with him, but she is helping him look for an apartment. And it quickly becomes apparent, and then we're reminded over and over again that he wants to sleep together and for her to move in, um, but she's not ready to do either of those things. What did you think about their relationship? No, just both college students, then uh, one of them can just happen to afford to live on their own in a different time that no longer exists. Yeah, she still lives with her parents. At one point, she declares she's going to move in with him, um, and her parents are strongly opposed to this. And she says, like, hey, I'm 22. I'm not a teenager. So they're at least a little older. Yeah, they're in college. Okay. Both both of them are in college and apparently in some of the same classes. Right, because she keeps reminding him that they need to be studying or something. Well, why don't you come over and we can study at my new place? He does have a, a unique voice, doesn't he? Yeah. So what did you think of the apartment that they find? We don't see that much of it. No, we don't. Um... There's no bugs visible. Yeah, the characters point that out, that there's no roaches in the fridge, I think. Yeah, like, you know, obviously I've never lived in New York, but I'd imagine when you're in a major urban area, you kind of just have to take what you can get. And he just happened to find an apartment that seemed like it had um, the less possible chance to have bed bugs compared to his other options. Yeah, I, I really do like the setting, though. Um I appreciate that they seemingly used a real apartment in like a real, not derelict, but like a rundown building. Um, it, 
you know, one of the touches that I like is that in the kitchen, all the appliances are different colors because, you know, they were like bought during different eras and just shoehorned in wherever they would fit. Um, And I really appreciate that. It gives the movie a great sense of authenticity. Like, I don't think this is a masterpiece or anything, but I really like watching it partly because it's like a window into another world that no longer exists. Right. Yeah. So the apartment building itself is definitely something derelict. I strongly suspect that maybe only the prostitute's apartment is actually in that building. I think the main character's apartment, Alex's apartment, is a soundstage. No, maybe. If it is, then the kind of details I'm talking about make it, like, it means they did a good job. Yeah, for sure. Um, You can tell the floor, (laughs) the floor is fake in Alex's apartment and his kitchen. Oh, I didn't notice it. I did notice that it doesn't he have weirdly patterned carpet in some rooms? Um, I don't remember the carpet, but in the kitchen where the climax mostly takes place, you can tell that they have a false floor on top of whatever they're walking around on because mm. they wanted to be able to have certain body parts look like they were animating by themselves. Right. So they had something under the floor that they could use to drag them around to simulate, you know, autonomy. Yeah. You can see as like the character actors like walk around on the floor that it like is not one piece. (laughs) So it like uh, it jitters a little bit and it's supposed to be kitchen tile. This isn't a dig at the film. I'm just saying, you know, I believe it's a soundstage. Yeah, no, that that makes sense. I hadn't thought about how they would have done those body part scenes otherwise. Um, but that makes a lot of sense. I mean, key, and keep in mind, right? Like we're watching the um, what I'm assuming is like the remastered version that came out on, you know, DVD, Blu-ray, whatever. Yeah. The original version, you probably couldn't see any of this. That's fair. That's a good point. But I also know this movie was only made uh, with $25,000. So, like, whatever they managed to do, kudos to them. At least that's what the director said the budget was in the DVD uh, documentary. I don't think you'd really have a reason to undershoot it, right? I don't think so. Hmm. Unless they were, like, filming the, the movie for like tax fraud purposes then i suppose you don't want to lie about how much you spent on it no he wasn't like bragging about it or anything like we got this done with a mere twenty five thousand. that he wasn't doing that he he just happened to mention that that's what they had kind of impressive when you consider the practical effects yeah what do you think of the the makeup effects do you think they look good um a- alex's transformation's a little rough like you can tell he's just kind of wearing like a like a prosthesis mask over his entire face and the the collar is just covered by his clothes. Like it so the mask is not that great, but the gore effects where like organs are pouring out and like mouths are opening up on people's bodies, like th- that's pretty cool. I I liked how they pulled all that off. Yeah, none of it looks real, but it doesn't need to. It it looks fun oh yeah i i was 
realism was so far away from my priorities when watching this. I I did not go into this expecting like a, a believability, right? Like I didn't need to to believe that the main character was a real person with real intentions or that the the people in the apartment complex were or the apartment building were legit, right? Like I didn't care about any of that. It's a B film. Yeah, and it was again released by Camp Video. Like the entire promotion and release of this movie was all tongue in cheek. I think that's it was far more tongue in cheek than the actual movie. Um, but yeah, I don't think it's anything that you should try to take seriously. So let's talk about Roman, his neighbor. Roman is the one who was looking through the trash uh, for something for his apartment. That's the way he described it. Um, but he invites Alex over for some nourishment that night. Like, I love that he calls it nourishment. He's kind of a weird guy in general. I do like his introduction where, you know, he hears that Alex is an artist and he's like, oh, well, I'm a poet. <laughs> so they naturally ask him, you know, oh, well, what have you done? Can we read what you've done? He's like, no, no my stuff's not going to come out until after I'm dead. So that's the only way it's considered valuable. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's only writing one cent or one line a year. That's what he said. But so does it change though, your perception of that scene to know he's really like a possessed reincarnated dead person? I guess we should just kind of cover what is going on in the building, right? To give everything context. Yeah. So decades ago, it's not really mentioned. Everyone in this apartment building was part of a satanic cult. Stop me if if you need to correct me. But everyone was part of a satanic cult. And they decided to go through with a ritual that would involve killing themselves so that they could be reborn through other people, thus maintaining a form of immortality. So one of the cult members did not commit suicide to facilitate the ritual by acting as a landlady to bring in unsuspecting tenants to eat the slime. I'm assuming each slime is like a different member of the cult, the different colors of the slime. And then they just have to consume a diet of that to, to become possessed by the previous cultist. And then at yep. that point, they have autonomy and they can just keep eating their own slime. But there's a weird hook, like a line during the explanation for all this, where there's a limited amount of slime. How do they, how do they expect to replenish that? I don't know. Maybe they have to like Roman says that Nicole's grandmother made it right or grandfather. Are you talking about the actual explanation or what the poet tells Alex? Well, no, I, I'm they're connected. Right. So the the poet tells the poet Roman tells Alex that this was made by Nicole's grandfather. Right. Nicole's the prostitute. Yeah. Okay. And so do you think that means that her actual grandfather is Zachary, the guy who started the cult? Oh, 
Potentially, yeah. I didn't so, think about that. So if that's the case, maybe she is able to make more, but nobody else can. Then why are they making a big deal about there being a shortage in the basement? I don't know. Uh, maybe that's just what the the landlady said to to placate him, to explain why it was desired, or I don't know. Yeah, I guess these are a bunch of Hollywood satanic cultists. You can't really take what they say for face value. But um, the the impression I got is that they killed themselves and turned themselves into yogurt or slime, and then that, and then eating that slime is what like transfers your essence into the new body. And maybe we're it's never not, told. It's not that spelled out, but yeah. I do appreciate this whole setup. They do seem to each have their own color because when Roman and um and Alex sit down to eat it for the first time, um and Alec or and Roman describes it as Himalayan yogurt, um that came from Nicole, uh he has blue yogurt and Alex has green yogurt and Alex is like, why is yours blue? And Roman says, because blue's my color. When you hear Himalayan yogurt, you know there's no fucking yogurt coming out of him out of the Himalayas. So my first thought was like, what if this is something like Rocky Mountain oysters? It's like a euphemistic name for something really gross. And they're like really eating, I don't know, like ratches or something. <laughs> okay. The the second impression I had was, you know, this is yogurt coming from the prostitute. And I recall years ago reading a vice article about an an author who made yogurt from bacteria cultured from her own vagina okay um it was it did not taste good according to her it was terrible not recommended and then uh it turned out that she got really lucky and that doing that can actually um make you very sick <laughs> Since what can come out is very unpredictable. So that was kind of what I had in my mind um, when when this guy pulled out the yogurt. It was like, yeah, it's from next door. Well, I can't imagine why you would think that might taste good. Um, I just can't imagine. Uh, just like I can't imagine consuming what's in this movie. But I don't like even real yogurt. I'm a texture guy and like I'll eat yogurt, but it's not my favorite thing texturally. Oh, I love yogurt, but I still probably would not eat this like Nickelodeon slime that gets put in front of them. Yeah, it's very watery, though. It's not like real thick and gloopy. No, it's more like a pudding, a green pudding. Yeah. Well, you want to talk about what happens after you consume this stuff? You know, that's probably what it is. It's like green tapioca pudding or something. Oh, you mean like in real life? What yeah, they, they probably just took tapioca pudding and dyed it. Yeah, I don't know. It's very watery and slimy, for lack of a better descriptor. Okay, so he eats the yogurt, says goodnight, goes to his apartment... Realizes he doesn't have his keys, but lo and behold, the prostitute says, you left them in the door. How have you survived in New York <laughs> <laughs> when you're doing that kind of shit? I did wonder about that. I was like, "That is, this is not the building to do that in. 
because your neighbor furnishes his apartment with trash and your other neighbor let's talk about the inside of her apartment the the walls are they're not really painted black i don't i don't know how they got them black oh no they're painted black it just looks like someone took acrylic paint and smeared it on the (laughs) inside of the walls but like even before you notice the paint color like when she when you open the door there's like a bunch of broken boards nailed across (laughs) the inside like someone was trying to keep her in or out Yeah, it's like someone boarded up the door and then something heavy crashed through it and broke all the boards. And that's around all the windows, too. And there's like um, big fake cobwebs in the corners. It kind of reminded me of like a punk version of the Adams Family House. Mm. Oh no, man! Adam's family is way classier than, than this girl's apartment. I mean, there's like random, like, like power cables thrown across the the fucking floor. The floor itself looks like it has never been cleaned. Ever. Yeah, it's like, it's black scuff marks and shit all over the place. They fuck on a yoga mat, or like a what looks like a studded leather version of a yoga mat. Yeah, surrounded by like decrepit cardboard boxes. Yeah. It's it's fairly gross, and the the simulated sex is terrible. Like, oh yeah, absolutely awful. Uh, <laughs> this is this is what people put up with before the advent of streaming pornography. This this is what you had to deal with. I don't know. It's particularly egregiously bad here. <laughs> and then, like mid post coitus, it just suddenly stops. And transitions to um, Alex having a vision, a nightmare. It's in black and white, whatever it is. He he walks into his kitchen and convenes with, uh, is it like a spirit, Satan, Zachary? It, someone, someone wearing a cloak and a hood who pours them wine. Maybe Zachary. And it's very impressionist, right? Like you have... Uh, Empty picture frames lined up behind them. It's supposed to be trippy. I, I, in retrospect, watching this now, this is probably the guy's slime. Like this, this is the entryway to to the slime entering as as a possessive entity. So this is like Zachary taking his place in Alex's mind. Yeah, or at least taking okay. up residence, because you know it's not like a a one-for-one possession right off the bat. Yeah, that makes sense. Maybe but I'm one... way too much into this, but that's that's probably what's going on here. At the very least, they just wanted to film some artsy black and white shit. Yeah, it's very, um, it's very student film. It is very student film. But, um, but when Alex wakes up from this dream or whatever it is, um, he is covered in slime or he's melting. How would you describe it? I think he is just exuding slime. Yeah, like sweating out slime, but through your hair and everything. And sometimes it slowly like builds up, and other times it just kind of gushes out. It's really gross. Oh, I see the carpet you're talking about now. Oh, yeah. no, and he's getting slime all over it. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, the, the grossest part to me was that 
anything he's on gets slime all over it. So like we see him get out of bed and there's like a brown sludge outline where his body was. That's really unfortunate. Yeah. And he puts clothes on over it. Like he puts on his his normal jacket that he wears every day and just like oozes slime all over it. Do you think he even tried to take a shower? I don't think so. I mean, if you if you woke up like this, right, covered in slime that seemed to be oozing from your skin, what would you do? Um, if I had health insurance, I'd probably would go to a doctor. I think this is a case where you go to the doctor even if you don't have health insurance because you might be dying. Yeah, but if you're stuck in like endless medical debt, you might as well be dead anyway. Yeah. Well, I would be very concerned, but Alex does not seem that concerned um, because he goes. Well, let me tell you what I wouldn't do. I, I would not go down to the local diner and get my fucking slime over everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just goes out to a restaurant, like still covered in his slime. And by the time he's leaving and walking home, he's getting worse. He's like growing bubbles all over himself and throwing up green slime. And then he just fucking murders a homeless guy with an iron bar. He was kind of rude. The homeless guy? Yeah, he's like, "Yo, don't throw up on the street here. This is this is my this is my home." Yeah. Like he owns this alleyway. Come on, man. It's public property. Well, Alex had kind of been a dick to him earlier too. He gave him money. Yeah, he kind of like let it fall out of his pocket and land all over the street still money yeah and that's the description of his character right like ultimately he does kind of good things but he's an asshole about it but after bludgeoning this man's face with a discarded lead pipe um the slime vanishes yeah i mean he's also covered in a bunch of homeless person blood but the slime is gone which at this point in the movie i thought well slime is just his like, it's a delusion, right? It's an hallucination. But it's not, because ultimately other characters can see it. I never once considered that it could be, like, a delusional slime, but that would have made a lot of sense. It would have, right? Because it's really the only explanation for how it could vanish. It's also a great explanation for how he can slime from his forehead during dinner with his girlfriend's parents and nobody notices but him. Yeah, but see, in other scenes, the p other people do notice. So it's it's inconsistent. Well, I think what they notice isn't the slime. It's the other symptoms, which is, uh, you know, the bubbling skin, the jaundice, that sort of thing that, that comes accompanied with the slime after he um, ignores the urge to kill for an extended period of time. I don't know if they if if they saw all those other things, I don't see why they wouldn't also see the slime. Like it seems like it's all either all real or it's all a hallucination. True. I don't think yeah, there's not really much point trying to split split hairs on which symptoms are real and fake. Yeah, but I guess they're all real because we do see like him leaving slime on things and there are other characters who see it. Maybe during that dinner scene, they see the slime, but they're too polite to say anything about it. You think that dad really would not mention it? Hey, you know what? This was the point where the boyfriend said, I don't want you to move in. <laughs> so maybe he's like, yes, 
Yes, don't fuck this up. <laughs> yeah, he's been begging her like the whole movie to to move into his apartment or at least to sleep over. Um, and then during this scene, she announces without talking to him to her parents that she's she's going to move in with him. And uh, he basically shoots her down. Do you think he's shooting her down out of like self-preservation or concern over her potential well-being? I think it's totally selfish. I think he's like, I don't want you to see me murdering people. Is Alex the kind of guy who gets bit by a zombie during the apocalypse and just doesn't say anything? <laughs> well, we also have to wonder how much is Alex and how much is Zachary having overtaken him already? True. And like we said earlier, it's hard to tell. Yeah, because there's nothing to indicate, but he does begin to act increasingly like an asshole, and he did change his mind radically from like 24 hours before. So I, I think that suggests that Zachary is in control. It does seem maybe a little unfair to throw Alex's character to the wayside just because he made one bad decision of like infidelity with a prostitute, right? I mean, good people can make bad decisions. Well, I don't know. I, I think I think it's always the worst sin to to lie about it afterwards. Like <laughs> I think if he did did sleep with this um this prostitute, his neighbor, then he should be honest about having done so afterwards. Well, to be fair, um she never questions him about it. True. So he doesn't lie, he just neglects to tell anybody. Yo, this man eats the fucking pudding out of the Tupperware container with his fingers, just like Ron DeSantis. <laughs> I will say, and this might it will be the only good thing I ever say about Donald Trump, the ad he put out attacking Ron DeSantis for the pudding fingers was actually pretty funny. <laughs> and 100% true. Yeah, I was... Um, I actually thought like, wow, whoever came up with that campaign ad was actually pretty clever. But anyway, he needs some more of the Himalayan yogurt and the wine. And so the landlady takes him down to the basement to show him what she says are the last remnants of Zachary's collection. And yeah, she does say something like it's depleted because other tenants take it all the time or have taken it in the past and she shows him a copy of the book zachary wrote it's called flesh control <laughs> i don't know i like this whole um angle of the story i i like the i like the idea that there was this woman who was left as kind of the trustee of the last remnants of this cult and like put all the other details of the story aside i think it's a cool idea oh for sure hey um not not really related to the to this but is there a sequel to this film yeah i haven't i haven't seen it it came out in 2010 i'm probably not going to watch that i i think i will i think i want to it's on youtube yeah it is on youtube i kept finding that instead of the original film it's called Slime City Massacre, and mm -hmm. somehow, somehow the actors in this one reprise their roles, even though they die. So, 
Not sure how that works. Like, hmm. I'll find out. I'll report back after I watch it. Okay. At some point, he starts um, wrapping himself in bandages, and he hires a sex worker to come home with him, and she is very casual about unwrapping his oozing, festering bandages. B-movie. Don't question it. I mean... Like, maybe she's just really good at her job, but this isn't even sanitary. Like, I think you need some gloves or something. A New York prostitute in the 80s serving in, like, the dregs of the city has has probably seen worse than this. Well, I think she says that. I think she says I've seen worse. But uh, I realistically, I think this would give uh, anybody pause like this isn't something you can just say oh dude i was a nurse for like 5 years i've seen this shit like this is this is dripping sopping bandages and clothing this, yeah. this guy looks like the invisible man the way he's wrapped up with the glasses yeah i would not touch that shit um i just i can't i can't even like clean out a dirty drain with my fingers i, I just can't do it but bless her heart she really tries but th- this was the wrong John to pick up. Yep, she gets her face cut open with a straight razor and then her throat cut. Her reaction is very lacking. <laughs> she, she's just like, ah, <laughs> you're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> there's no, There's no self-preservation instinct there at all. She doesn't attempt to fight back or like run away or anything. Uh, for me, it was more just the, the <laughs> ah, you're crazy. <laughs> like that's not, that's not, it's not exaggeration. She just sounds not excited at all about getting her face slashed. <laughs> well, can you blame her? I mean, it, it, you're not, you're not hype about it, right? But. It feels like there should be some alertness. Yeah. I, I I think there should be more fear with like this person trying to get away or like throw up their hands or do something, something defensive. But no, she does nothing. But after this, he asks um, Nicole, the neighbor, the prostitute, how many people she's killed. And she says, I stopped counting a long time ago. I thought that was a good, a good line. So are we to assume that everybody in this building is constantly killing to stave off slime form? Yes, I think that's the implication. There is no way you could keep this going. An entire building of people afflicted with this. There's just too many loose ends. Yeah, it's really not sustainable. No, not at all. I mean, the second the second victim from Alex is like immediately investigated by the police. You would think like with all of these people constantly having like a rotating door of victims, uh, this place would basically be lit up with police detectives 24 seven following leads. Yeah. I mean, in that way, the movie uses the New York setting to its advantage because 
this is I, I mean you said it was like the dregs of the city earlier or something like that um if that really is how it is then maybe there are lots of disappearances and or maybe the police just don't care well this one police saw detective seems to care when his favorite professional prostitute acquaintance goes missing i just have to point out that this this character's name it might be the best name i've ever heard in a movie it's irish o'bannon the police detective yeah irish o'bannon yeah okay (laughs) i'm a fan yeah, so he's um that's an angle of the story we haven't talked about. This uh police detective is, is suspects Alex of a couple of murders by the end of the movie. Uh did you did you find him believable? What did you think of him? I mean, is he really any more or less believable than other characters? No. No. I mean, I'm not looking for that sort of thing in this film. If I was, um I don't think the detective would very clearly state that he had a professional acquaintanceship with this particular uh, sex worker. Yeah, I did find that fairly unprofessional. I I mean, the implication is that, you know, they were probably involved, but I suppose she could have also been an informant. That's what I thought. You want to give him a route? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. At first, I thought that's not exactly that's not where I went first. (laughs) Yeah, at first I thought that maybe they had a, a working relationship, like she was an informant or an undercover detective or something. Um, but by the end of the conversation, I didn't really think that anymore. Yeah. And this is where we get the line where Alex is like, who cares? She's just some stupid horror, some mess. Yeah, to- but I think Zachary has taken control at that point. That's That's going to be my charitable interpretation. I suppose. Uh, I guess from this point on, then there is only one moment where Alex actually shines through to briefly speak to his girlfriend. Yeah, there is a. a the rest of this is Zachary, I suppose. There, there's a weird interlude where he seems to be his normal self again, and it, like want to remedy, patch things up with his girlfriend. Um, but maybe that's just Zachary like playing games. Isn't there like, a, wait, isn't there a, like an arc in this film where where Alex is like, listen, I don't have to give in to this to this feeling. I don't have to do this. Yeah, there's a couple of times where he like pours out all the green shit or does other things to try to I guess swear off the the Himalayan yogurt for good. But then he gets super goopy. His best friend randomly visits him at the apartment and he can't help but kill his friend. Yeah, well, he's also like an asshole towards him. Like they get in an argument over something stupid. I mean, his friend was talking about boring relationship stuff at one point. And uh, Alex was clearly not listening because who would want to put up with that? Well, we there's there's another scene we have to talk about in here that that there's no place to really put it. It doesn't match with the rest of the movie. But it's the scene where Laurie goes to see the psychic. Yeah. This was like a weird aside, right? So I thought the whole point of the scene was going to be alerting Laurie to the fact that 
you know, her boyfriend's been possibly compromised by an evil entity. But I this thought never that was comes back. This never comes back. No. <laughs> she she's completely blindsided by by her boyfriend being a dick. I love the way this scene starts though. The psychic says, I must determine the nature of your astral interior before I can define the terrible aura that surrounds you. <laughs> it's like great mumbo jumbo, right? Yes. But she makes a lot of correct guesses. Like she says that um that Lori is still a virgin and that that has disrupted her relationship. Um, she says Alex lives in an old building and that there are serpents that aren't what they seem and they're trying to pull Alex into their nest. She says, I see naked bodies engaged in unspeakable acts. And she tells Lori that Alex is beyond redemption. So yeah, this scene could have totally like alerted Lori to the fact that Alex was possessed or was committing evil acts or whatever, but nothing changes. Not that, you know, Video Store Nightmares is advocating that you should go to a fortune teller and believe everything they tell you. No, in this movie, this is, she's a real psychic, I guess. Well, she did touch Lori's wrist. And say, you know, oh my gosh, you are in trouble or someone you know is in trouble. Come see me. And then she went through the trouble, despite having this busy college exam studying schedule to go see her in like the middle of the night. Yeah, she she's too busy to see her boyfriend, but she has time for this. There's There's clearly some systemic issues in this relationship that just do not get addressed. Yeah, I mean, well, they get addressed. They get resolved in their own way. I wouldn't say it was resolved ideally, right? There could <laughs> maybe a little bit less bloodshed. No, I totally agree. I'm not advocating this resolution to any relationship. Men would rather eat Himalayan yogurt rather than go to therapy. Yep. Yeah. How far along in the movie is it when he develops the stomach vagina? When he gets mugged, I think, is the first time. Yeah, so he's walking down the street, like, wrapped in his bandages, and this group of guys stop him, punch him in the stomach, and say they want him to pay $100. He's, but getting, he, mugged. he's getting mugged. Yeah. By gang. Yeah, but he says he has no cash. And so when the, the guy, the gang member, goes to stab him in the stomach, his stomach opens up and with teeth and bites the guy's hand off. Is that what happens? Because it seemed like he stabs into Alex's body and then the body responded by growing a mouth around the arm. Well, regardless of which came first, right, it, it, there is a stomach vagina with teeth that forms. I think calling it a vagina is a little a little forward. It's it's kind of just like an oval mouth. Well, it it reminds me of the one in Videodrome, which very much is a vagina. Yeah, yeah uh, that is definitely a vagina, but I don't think this one is uh, or is meant to be. Oh, it's very vaginal. It's um, like, right, with especially with the kind of media that we consume. I mean, it's very easy to take an oval and 
turn it into like a, a vagina metaphor, but I don't know if it's necessarily supposed to be in this case. Yeah, I have no idea. I, I don't know if this movie's going for deeper symbolism or commentary on gender relations or what. But it eats this man's whole arm. Yeah, gun included or knife included, right? Yeah, and uh, when the dude, the gang member's on his back and just blood is spurting out of the stump, his compatriots uh, immediately fuck off. But I thought it was a nice touch that one of them came back for the boombox. Yeah, <laughs> it was a nice boombox. It was one of those those really big ones. It was fucking huge. Yeah. So at some point after like he tries to reconcile the relationship with Lori, uh, they have sex. So she loses her virginity. Um, this Wait, this isn't the first time they've had sex. It's not? When is the first time? Uh, I mean, I'm assuming before the movie started. No, because she tells the psychic that she's still a virgin. Oh, no, she does? I told you. Yeah. So this is... Disregard. This is the first time she's had sex. Oh, no. Yeah. And immediately afterwards, she discovers like a puddle of slime where his head was. Unfortunate. Yeah. And um, while he's in the shower, she opens the fridge and discovers all the green junk in Tupperwares and wine bottles. Um, And she starts looking through the Zachary book. And this is where you get the line that you heard in the trailer because he walks up behind her and starts massaging her shoulders. And she's like, Alex, you're hurting me. And he says, no, I'm killing you. But she uh, is pretty calm about it at first. Yeah, she does. She also does not seem to have any self-preservation instinct. It was a different time. Where where people just gave in to murder and assault. Oh, <laughs> that's why violence was so high in the eighties, right? The victims were asking for it. Victims were asking for it. They were passive. They were passive. Well, I mean, we're joking about her passivity, but um, she's actually like the only person to fight back in the entire film. Yeah, um, she she does eventually get it together. Um. When he's trying to strangle her, she stabs him with a fork. I really love it. Like when he pulls the fork back out, slime spews out of the hole. This is this is like the special effects finale that's hyped up in the trailer. And it's pretty cool for, you know, an independent B film. Yeah. Just, if if their budget was actually twenty five thousand dollars, like they did a lot. Like, uh, you know, it's not just him getting stabbed with with various uh kitchen utensils right like he also um gets like eviscerated at one point and a bunch of what looks like goop and sausages (laughs) (laughs) and then he like puts them all back in but randomly watches them she just watches them back in (laughs) yeah he just as if as if it was like a tetris board and you could squeeze it wherever it would fit he just pushes it all back into the hole well, I mean, I guess when you have like the mouth, everything's pretty much, um, you know, maybe he's like becoming a, a, a kind of like an interior blob himself at this point. Everything can just go anywhere at once. Everything's becoming slime. Yeah, everything's becoming slime. Well, she she beheads him with a meat cleaver and yellow slime gushes out everywhere. So I guess he internally, um, 
he's got a lot of slime now. Well, don't forget that like she was like half-heartedly trying to behead him and was having trouble with the cleaver. Uh-huh. And then like at the real Alex comes up and is like, you'll do it. <laughs> don't hesitate. <laughs> My pain. Yeah. And, and then and then she has the strength to to chop through the vertebrae or what the fuck ever. <laughs> and afterwards, is it is it just his brain that crawls out of the head and like crawls along the floor? Well, first the body is still animated. And then the head is is working separately and forming the body what to do vocally. And obviously that doesn't work out. So then once the body's dispatched, she like jams a butcher knife right into the top of the skull and it opens up the cavity to so the brain can escape. And that is what's crawling across the floor. I mean, at that point, I don't think Himalayan yogurt's going to fix you. No. And um, it doesn't look like a normal brain. It looks like like a maggot brain. It's like half worm shaped. Well, I mean, it has to be able to crawl across the floor, right? Yeah. So I'm just saying, is that like, do you think that was just for special effects purposes? Or do you think they're actually saying like, oh, his brain was transforming? I don't know if there's like anything specifically being said here, but obviously things are not right with Alex's body, right? Like blood has been replaced with slime. He had an extra mouth. <laughs> He's got like the worst skin condition of all time. Mm, indeed. Are, are we really surprised that his brain looks a little unnatural? No, not, not Especially at all. Since it has enough locomotion that it can like push itself, repel itself across the floor. Well, she says, die, God damn it. And she smashes it. So no more Alex. We lost our protagonist. Or Zachary. Although um, there's still hope for Zachary because Mr. Irish O'Bannon, the police detective, asks the landlady about moving into the apartment. Is this like, is there any ethical barrier here that he's crossing? Hmm. In the 80s, probably not. <laughs> well, well, no, I just mean in general. Like, do you think it's okay if you were working a case and the the person whose death you're investigating left their apartment vacant and you moved into it? That seems very odd to me. Maybe well, unethical is the wrong word. Maybe it's just weird. Weird is probably the right word. I think it only starts breaching ethics if the apartment complex started offering him some sort of compensation. Like if they're like, Hey, you can even have reduced rent for everything you've done here. That can be misconstrued as, um, as, as like a taking a bribe of sorts mm -hmm. or accepting a gift in lieu of uh, future leniency on something. Well, just imagine if Zachary can come back as the police detective That'll work out well for him. By him, he means Zachary and not, yeah. not yeah. Mr. Irish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Irish O'Bannon. Irish O'Bannon. So that's it. Um, That's Slime City. Yo, girlfriend just shuts the fuck up. And um, sh did she disappear or just refuse to talk to the police? 
I think she just refuses to talk to them. It it doesn't spell it out for us. That kind of makes me assume that the the Satanists, the cultists, will leave her alone because she's not pushing the issue. They don't seem like they all have to murder people, but as far as we know, none of them do it strategically. They just murder random people. I mean, that's the best way to do it, not get caught. Never murder your friends or acquaintances. Yeah, murder homeless people who won't be missed. <laughs> that's the lesson of Slime City. Oh. All right, you want to give your final thoughts and a rating out of four? I don't know, man. I think the real lesson of Slime City is don't don't cheat on your girlfriend with a slime prostitute. That's a good one, too. Slime City, I guess this is this is Video Store Nightmare's favorite um favorite like chastity film, right? It's all about remaining pure. If they if they had waited until marriage, none of this none of this would have happened. Because he wouldn't have moved into his own apartment, you mean? Oh no, like it's not that he moved into his own apartment. It's that he uh he he broke like his abstinence vows by by becoming entangled romantically with his prostitute neighbor. Yeah, but he was going to become a monster regardless because they were feeding him the slime. Yeah, that does kind of throw a wrench in the... I don't think this is a morality play of any sort. No, no, this is totally a morality play. Don't eat weird green shit out of Tupperware containers and um, especially not with your fingers. And don't sleep with strange women. It's a gateway to Satan, literally. Hey, if you're single... But what if they turn your body into like a slime temple? It, it, she didn't do that. The Himalayan yogurt did. She was literally involved in supplying the Himalayan yogurt and the wine. I don't even think about the wine. I just think about the yogurt. Yeah, the the wine, the wine is more like a drug that it makes you hallucinate. Yeah, it's it's all about the Himalayan yogurt. <laughs> <laughs> Um, anyway, uh, Slime City, um, I had never heard of it before. I was a little pleasantly surprised. Um, I, I really think the special effects are the star of the show, especially with the budget. Um, there's a lot of really awesome fake gore, a lot of, uh, a lot of severed limbs and spewing arteries that, uh, really lend to the, to the grungy feel of, where this entire movie takes place uh, <laughs> like normally you kind of wonder like who has to clean up after all this and and after seeing some of the rooms in this building you're like nobody cleaned up after this <laughs> probably even noticed <laughs> um um the only thing that's really lacking in this movie are characters to get behind um i i didn't really feel with alex's plight Probably because it was so hard to determine what what was Alex and what was the cultist. Like, what was Zachary, Zachary's influence on his personality? Because if you take everything at face value, this guy's a dick. Like, at at best, he's maybe like an emotionally insensitive autistic person. <laughs> but... He really just comes off as a dick the entire film. It's hard to be in his corner. This is almost the psychopath of the week. 
episode for us because you are following one guy committing a bunch of heinous acts and um not exactly sympathizing with him did, did you really sympathize with alex at any point in this film yeah i did man i don't but i think i think it's yeah. a lot to do with the actor i i think for whatever reason i find the actor likable and the it it makes me not pay so much attention to like all of the terrible decisions that this person makes. I mean, in in the end, I feel the most for the girlfriend who just found herself in a really terrible situation with uh, someone who probably didn't deserve her time. <laughs> she just wanted to make it through college, man. <laughs> yep. Anyway, uh, this movie's pretty entertaining um if you if you watch it with like worse video quality i think it actually augments the the, the dinginess of the setting i i don't think this film is supposed to be comedic but it also doesn't feel too serious realism goes out the window because we're talking about fucking slime possession i would say this is like a solid two-star b film for me yeah i I like this movie. I actually like all of Greg Lamberson's films that I've seen. So I don't have the VHS, but I'm I'm glad I have this DVD box set. Uh, it has Slime City, Naked Fear, Undying Love, and Johnny Gruesome on it. And I, I like all of those movies to some extent. They're all very low budget. Some of them are shot on video. Uh, they star a lot of the same people, but they're all likable. I... I I enjoy the characters, even if they like aren't really good people. They still seem like fairly fleshed out characters. The acting isn't great, but it's not abrasive or um, annoying. I, I can still sort of identify with these uh, these people as people, but I do agree that there's not really a likable protagonist that you can get behind. I mean, even the girlfriend I found unlikable. Like, I don't know. I I could sympathize. I could sympathize with Alex being like frustrated with her for not wanting to spend time with him or not wanting to sleep over or not wanting to have sex, like whatever it was. They seem to be on totally different pages as far as the relationship was concerned. So I could kind of get involved with that. Um, but it, this is an original movie. It's an original perspective and idea on like a cult um, and the the Himalayan yogurt is such a creative vehicle uh, for um, accommodating the or um, hastening the possession. I like the special effects. I think they're fun. Uh, this is a cool melt movie. I'm going to give it two and a half. You just call this a cool melt movie? Is melt yeah. a genre? Yeah. Movies where people melt. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, for sure. Um, I I would put like uh definitely this and street trash in there. And what's that Australian one? Body melt. Well, wow, it literally has melt in the title. Yeah. From 1993. So anyway, if you like Slime City, you should check out those other movies I just mentioned. But um, yeah, I definitely think it's it's a kind of a genre. Should I add that to our list? Melt movies? Uh, I don't know. 
I'm not that much a fan of them. This is definitely my favorite of those movies. Anyway, we need to consult the Magic 8-Ball and see what our next topic is going to be. Your three categories. Number one, uh, nerd culture corrupting our youth. So like comics, video games, D&D corrupting our youth. Category two, South Africa. (laughs) And category three, curses or cursed objects. Oh, wow. I have two I like this time. Give me a second. All right, so the two are cursed objects it's and cursed what, or cursed objects i'm leaving it a little open there and what was the first one nerd culture corrupting our youth so like dungeons and dragons comic right. books video games that's all right give me a second okay all right let's go with nerd culture corrupting the youth okay did you want to remove the south africa category <laughs> yeah let's remove it no, you don't have anything from South Africa you would like to expose us to? I can't think of any South African films that I'm like especially a fan of. All right. Well, that is now off the list. Cool. And we begin our arc for the corruption of our youth through nerd culture. All right. I'll have to think. There's so many there that I can think of. Fun. I'll have to narrow it down. D&D is a gateway to Satanism. Never forget yeah, the best kind. The best kind? Wait, the yeah. best kind of gateway or the best kind of Satanism? Both. <laughs> it's Satanism that doesn't take itself too seriously. Is that why we didn't see any, you know, uh, dungeon master manuals around the, the apartment building here in Slime City? Because they're in the wrong form of Satanism? <laughs> I suppose. Hmm. All right. So um, join us next week to talk about some um, instance of nerd culture corrupting the youth. And until then, you can follow us on Instagram at video.store.nightmares. Leland, do you have any last words? Thank you for your continued support. Great. We will talk with you all next week about something to be announced, but it'll be a good one. All right. Have a great week, everybody. Ah, 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 ah,